welcome to the new episode of Code Boys Talk Movies. Today, in honor of Oscar season-ish, but also just the fact that, well, one of us saw this movie, <laughs> we're going to be doing our review of 1917. Ah, what a year. Actually, it was a year full of hell, according to this movie. Um, and I believe it to be so. <laughs> Um, 1917, it was, it's, uh, it's the kind of movie the Oscars likes, Mm. I think in a lot of ways. Wouldn't you agree, Dakota? It's kind of, it's kind of one of those, like, the director tried to do something interesting with maybe kind of a simple idea, but they turned it into something that made it very complicated to shoot. Yes, um... I'm trying to even think if there's a movie on this scale you could compare it to, because there there are some movies that try to do like oh it 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 looks like one single take when it's really not right um, right or there's movies where a large chunk of the movie is seemingly one take even if it's not the whole movie like this one it literally feels like the whole movie's one take. Is there did he ever give the the director of this ever give a reason why that is? I think he just wanted you to feel he wanted you to kind of feel like you were with this person, these people. Okay. So I'm assuming does it the movie take place in like real time then? It basically takes place in oh, real time okay. over it's okay, so you come into the movie, it's two guys sitting under a tree sharing an apple. You know, and and I mean, we're talking from that very first shot, it's one take. Or seemingly one take. They do a lot of magic to make it seem like one take. And so it starts on this tree. They're talking. You learn that these are the two guys you're probably going to follow. Um, and then it's then they start walking. And as it pulls back, you realize there's just hundreds of these soldiers just kind of laying in the grass, kind of chilling. And um, the one gets um, called to go see the the commanding officer and he said bring you you can bring one other person with you and so he just grabs his buddy there so they go see the commanding officer and they're told that there's going to be an attack that the guys in the front line are going to attack but that it's going to be a trap and we need to get word to them to call off the attack but the only way to get to them is to Cross no man's land, which if those of you who aren't familiar with no man's land or didn't see Wonder Woman, (laughs) it's basically this kind of just dead area between the lines. And it's literally a dead area. Like not only is everything just destroyed, there's just corpses and rats and yuckiness everywhere, mud. Uh, And so, yeah, so you're just you're walking with these guys, you're following them in. They're talking to the XO, learning you have to get there within a few hours. We need you there within a few hours or over a thousand men are going to die. You know, it's kind of one of those situations. And so, and one of them is this guy's brother, which is why he gets called to assignment. Like your brother's going to die if you don't get there. And so, yeah, so you follow them through the trenches to the point when they're going to have to go leave the trench and go across no man's land. And so it is kind of interesting. It takes you a little bit to kind of get into that groove of like you're just walking through a trench with them. But I feel like 
Sam Mendes does a good job of making you making everything alive around them. And so it's like, even though they're just walking through a trench, there's things going on. You have the guys. Um, you kind of learn how men during World War One tried to make beds in these trenches to sleep. You have other guys doing these other things. Um, you're just kind of seeing how they tried to make this terrible mess into their home, in a sense, while waiting to waiting to fight and uh and so yeah you just follow these two characters getting all the way through this thing um i would say that the strongest thing with this movie is definitely how it was shot i mean that's easily the number one strength of this movie is uh it looks fantastic <laughs> and the way they pull off this kind of one shot technique is basically flawless it's just a matter of i think if you went into this movie not i feel like it's good to know going into this movie that that's the way it's shot because otherwise i think you'd be like what is happening and what is going on but i found out the inspiration behind this movie to go did you know the inspiration behind this movie um no i don't believe i have it's not a true story, but it's kind of like it's in honor of things that kind of happened ish. <laughs> so Sam Mendes it Well, I mean there was a World War One. Yeah, but I mean like like this exact event maybe didn't happen in this exact way. But Sam Mendes based the some of the events of this movie off of stories he heard from his grandfather. Oh, okay. And then he just kind of compiled the different childhood memories he could recall into this story. And so there's elements of reality within kind of this story that's more, what what, do you, what would you call it? Fictionalized history, I guess is what you'd call it. Yeah. So, So it's a fictionalized history where there's elements of it that are real but the but as far as how he made everything look and how everything functioned all of that is very accurate um but it's more just like the actual characters and maybe the actual things they were doing aren't all fully historically accurate <laughs> but when this movie was over i just kind of sat there and was thinking about what I just watched and was like, I either watched the boringest two hour movie I've ever seen, or I just watched a masterpiece. Oh, and that's kind of, but here, here's, here's where I get at is that, okay, so this movie's getting a lot of awards attention and is winning awards and is now probably, you know, for lack of a better term is really the front runner front runner for the academy award for best picture wouldn't you agree yeah and i feel like when you look at a lot of movies like this that end up being like the top type of movie you know in this category like in this maybe kind of like kind of a epic historical epic that is like a front runner for the oscars they usually are kind of like riding that line between was that really boring, <laughs> or was that a masterpiece? Don't you feel that way? 
Like, even when you go back into the past when it's like, uh, Ben-Hur, you know, Lawrence of Arabia, the English patient, to be more modern. You know, he's like that where it's like, God, was that a slog or was it amazing? You know what I mean? Uh, with the English patient, I would say it was a slog. <laughs> um, I don't, I would, history, I think as time goes on, people are realizing that movie isn't quite as good as they thought. Yeah, I'd even go so far as to say the Irishman is even probably a really intense slog. I mean, people are saying if you break it down to three parts, then it's it's actually pretty enjoyable. It's like, well, I mean... I once sat through, like, all three Lord of the Rings movies, and I'm like, yeah, I can't wait to get to the next one. Yeah. Yeah, and it's... <laughs> but I think when I look at when I look at 1917, at the end of the day, and as I, as I think about it, I'm not... It doesn't bother me that I saw it, and I'm glad I saw it. And so I think that makes it lean toward, oh, it was a good movie. <laughs> But I think what makes it hard is it's not like your typical type of movie where it's it's not like you have a protagonist and there's this antagonist and they're fighting through and there's and even though there is a culmination of events in this movie there isn't it isn't like a bombastic you know showdown type thing that you're leading to in in one sense of the word. You know, it's funny you say that because it's almost like you just described World War One, and that's yeah. that's the problem. Why apparently that's the reason why you don't see many war movies set in World War One because there was no bad guy. It was just these countries that sent their young men off to and and die. And, I, and I feel like what helped me appreciate this movie is last year a documentary came out, uh, done by Peter Jackson called "They Shall Not Grow Old." And it was a World War One documentary, and it is fan-freaking-tastic. I was actually shocked at how good it was. It's outstanding. He takes actual footage um, that is hand-cranked, hand-cranked cameras. Now, understand that, hand-cranked. Now, for those of you who don't realize how big of a deal this is, it's a huge deal. Because your frames per second are all over the place, depending on how that person was cranking. <laughs> because what Peter Jackson does is he remasters it. They meticulously, historically, accurately colorized it and then put it at a normal frame rate that our eyes take. Because if you a lot of if you if you if you think about it and you watch like old old timey type movies or Nickelodeon, not not the channel Nickelodeon, but those what Nickelodeon actually means <laughs> type of movies, they're like all kind of glitchy and weird speeds. Yeah, it. it uh, I used to think it was it was odd as a kid because you just automatically assume people in like nineteen twenty were just walking all weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and that's the thing is like, uh, they were doing. He did some side by sides. If you watch kind of the 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 making of of They Should Not Grow Old, and he they meticulously put it all at, at a normal frame rate, which is what twenty four frames per second yeah i think is what our eyes take as kind of more of a less a reality of comprehending that is real and so by doing that world war one became very much a real event and you're looking straight into the eyes of these guys and you're realizing how young they were i mean how many of them were like just in puberty (laughs) like 14 years old 
and things like this. And so, like like Dakota was saying, it's like these literal young men are out on these lines, sitting in these mud holes, seeing their friend next to them who's dead getting chewed up by rats, just blowing each blowing each other. It was the first. I mean, it's the. This is the this is the weird part about World War One, and I feel like you kind of see in nineteen seventeen. It he does a good job at allowing you to uh, see and understand World War One a little bit as you're walking through the world with these characters, and I think that's what what the benefit is of this type of movie is that you are kind of getting because nineteen seventeen was late in the war, and so you're kind of seeing uh, the significance of this war and the toll of this war in that. As they're walking through no man's land, there's dead horses, horses, horses that were being ridden by soldiers. And then all of a sudden there's a tank, you know, a crash tank. This war started with horses and ended with tanks. Yeah, that's uh... one of the most boggling, fascinating things about World War One. It's uh, it's also pretty horrifying because I mean uh, there was a lot of things weaponized yes during World War One that uh, would seem like science fiction like oh we have a we have a gas that uh, if you release it on the enemy soldiers you know they're gonna bleed out through their eyes like well, that's horrifying but I, I guess uh, throw it in some throw it in these canisters and we'll fire it at the enemy. Right. Uh, you know, mustard, that's basically what mustard gas is. Yeah, it was, it was mustard gas more or less. Uh, the concept of the tank, even though they were like slow and they, you know, broke down, uh, that, that's still pretty, a, a pretty formidable piece of artillery. Um, this is, this is the era when, uh, military started taking snipers seriously before that it was, yes, uh, you know, they had a guy who was like a crack shot, and they're like, "Here's a scope for your gun." You know? Yeah, here's a scope. Go find a place to hide. And that's the thing you see. Airplanes ended up being used, so you see the you see the effects of that in this movie. You see the effects of kind of early on snipers, even though there were there was sniping being done in like the Revolutionary War, not nearly on this level of being like a thing. Yeah. It was like a thing now, for lack of a better term. I guess we'll call it a thing. Um, and so I feel like, kind of at the end of the day, you realize that maybe this movie is anti-war. But I'm okay with that. Because it kind of bothers me a little bit when people are like, well, I didn't like that movie. It's anti-war. <laughs> and it's like, are you pro-war? <laughs> you know what I mean, Dakota? Yeah, that was... Uh... I, and And don't get me wrong. There's justifiable wars. There's wars you can justify. But at the end of the day, we don't want war. <laughs> yeah, it's uh Yeah, I mean it's it's crazy cuz some of these kids, I don't know, they came from houses that you know, they might have had electricity, but you know, they weren't they weren't driving around in cars, you know, there were some families, you know, still had, you know, horses and whatnot. And it's like you're getting somewhere where it's like, you know, the concept of a machine gun, you know, a gun that could fire, you know, 300 rounds a minute yeah, is is pretty foreign to you. I mean, I mean, just I mean, some of these guys, when the concept came to be that you could fire more than one round in a minute, they were probably pooping themselves, yeah, you I know, mean, just because coming when when moving on from just even muzzle loaders to bolt action probably seem like such a huge step let alone automatics yeah. or even semi-automatics oh man it's uh it's crazy because uh 
um, I was told by my history teacher in high school, like one of the, the basically the reason they kind of got bogged down in trench fighting was because they were they were still the government the militaries were still trying to use Napoleonic tactics, <laughs> you know, like the cavalry charge and you know, you charge oh, yeah. in with the bayonet to finish the people off. And it's like oh, the other side has machine guns and like right. cannons and well, even you think even like when you look at the Civil War here in America. It's just like here they were standing against each other in the Napoleonic fashion, and then just cannonballs are just smoking down. It's just like how awful, you know, that we there's this heavy artillery, and then even in that war you saw a little bit of trying to understand how to use chemicals, not as much as World War One, yeah, but like the attempts and stuff, and it's just like, and that's the thing at the bottom of the day, it's it's. It's just the fact that obviously we all know, and you don't need this movie to tell you that war's hell. But I do feel like there is something in this movie that is important. Um, I think it is a masterfully made piece of art. But I think even beyond that, even beyond the fancy camera work they use, there is something to tell here that is being forgotten because it was over a hundred years ago now. Yeah, and. Uh, and we don't we don't have those those veterans anymore. Heck, we don't even have our World War II veterans really yeah. anymore. And I think it is good to go back and and I think the other thing too with World War One is America wasn't as involved in that war, and so we don't care as much. But it was a very significant war yeah. for a war we were involved in. <laughs> yeah, kind of at the tail end of it, we showed up, but uh, it uh, you know it, it's so crazy because I mean. You know they were they were using all these technologies against each other for the first time, and it's 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 just crazy because you know <laughs> obviously you know uh, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, after the war was all said and done, they called it the uh, the war to end all wars. Yeah, which I mean they referenced that in Wonder Woman, a movie that kind of takes place takes place in World War One. Uh, but the idea was like, oh man, that was so horrible. We're never going to have a conflict like this again. Yeah. And it's like, oh, oh, man. That's just just like, yeah, it's it. You, it's almost like you can't comprehend it, you know? Yeah. I have a it was like a, a little school book about World War One, and it was published for kids to help understand World War One. But it was published in the 20s or 30s. I, I found it at a Salvation Army, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is a gem. And what's fascinating about it, why I feel like it's a very important piece of history, is that that book doesn't that book doesn't know that World War II exists. <laughs> you know, because it was done before World War II. Yeah. And so it was still just the Great War. It wasn't number one. It was just the Great War. And so that book is done in a very interesting fashion because all through the book it's like, you know, it's kind of alluding to the fact that, well, we, we're we not going to let this happen again. This isn't going to happen again. Kind of like what you were saying and like we, it's finished, you know, but it wasn't. <laughs> uh, there's too much, too many politics. There's too much, too many men. And I guess by men I mean and women. But <laughs> obviously at that time the world was even or run by men, but let's not get into that. <laughs> I just mean mankind in general. 
the hearts of men <laughs> play into these things and uh and then you have politics on top of that and uh of course we all know what happens it is not just the great war it becomes world war 1 <laughs> yeah it's uh it was ugly i i i think we kind of forget how many how much death there was even in that war and how only 20 years later another war started yeah it's almost like uh the people kind of just forgot that whole conflict happened even though you couldn't really have world war 2 without world war 1 i mean yeah and not just cuz of the numbers yeah right yeah and i think a lot of people forgot things in the 20s for for a lot of reasons yeah uh... <laughs> Oh, man. But 1917, I guess to get back a little more into this movie, it's uh, it's a movie made by a master. I've never been a real Sam Mendes fan, but you can tell that he is a director who knows what he's doing. He very smartly hired Roger Deakins to do the cinematography, which if you don't know who Roger Deakins is, you do. Because I guarantee any movie you've seen that he's been cinematographer on, you've at least said... That movie looked amazing. And so those two together just made just a masterfully made movie. But on top of that, I think it is a good reminder uh, for people who maybe get maybe too much of their information from movies, but at least are getting some information from movies. It's a good reminder of just these events that happen. And maybe does cause stir people to like understand those things better and to learn from our history. Yeah, I think as Americans, we kind of don't really care about it. Like I said, just because we showed up at the tail end of it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was, it really kind of impacted things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I feel like in the past decade, I've met two or three Korean War veterans. And, uh, you're really understanding how that war has been forgotten, too. Yeah. And talking with these guys, you realize that wasn't a fun war. It's good to remember these things for the historical significance, but also in the more modern wars, you know, we have some of the survivors around us. And it's, you know, I know we always talk about, you know, we need to take care of veterans and things like that. But, you know, the Korean War was one I, I never even thought about. And here I met this guy. You know, these guys who are in their eh, more 80s now, they they were, <laughs> I mean, that was an ugly war too, but it's good to remember those things. But I think with that, I give this, I give 1917, it's definitely worth a watch. Just understand what you're going into. You're going into a war movie, a war movie at the strongest sense of <clears throat> war movie. So be aware of that. And also just be aware of the fact of, I think it helps, you know, going in how it's shot and it allows you to be patient and just go with it. And I, yeah. I highly recommend it. So just putting this out there, uh, one would say one wouldn't this equate this with like a war movie, like fury where it was like, yeah, meant to be just <laughs> grim and action and killing yeah. crowds. And, and we're the only tank inexplicably fighting all these Nazis. Yeah. It isn't like that. It isn't like that. You're more just following these guys kind of stumbling into situations. <laughs> so like a modern day red badge of courage pretty much. Yeah, maybe maybe that's a a good 
a good way to look at it is you're kind of yeah looking looking at a war through one person's eyes and kind of following them a little bit yeah kids if you don't know what the red badge courage was your teachers failed you very much so very much so i read that in school and, and you need to bring a ceremonial samurai sword to them. <laughs> tell them to go to the nearest field and I don't know. <laughs> if you don't even know what the term red badge of courage means, your teachers have failed you. <laughs> yeah, they uh we read it and then our teacher let us watch the movie and we were like it's actually a pretty good movie. It isn't bad. Yeah. It isn't bad. We were we were expecting something just like boring and depressing. Yeah. But it was actually not bad. It was not bad and depressing. <laughs> when when a bunch of uh, restless like sixteen year old kids who just had lunch are actually entertained by the movie, I think it does. I think it did a good job. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, but yeah, with that, we'll bring this episode to a close. Um, thank you for listening, and and we hope you you uh, take advantage of all those ways you can. Follow us and keep up with us, whether it's just liking us on Facebook, we're just the Dakota Boys Talk Movies at all these places, or uh, subscribing to us on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, YouTube, tell Alexa to find us. I think you can do that as far as I know. (laughs) So any of those ways that help you keep up with us, that would be great. We would appreciate it. If Alexa starts giving you directions to either which place we live, though, I, I might have issues. Like yeah. That. Yeah. I don't know. Alexa, Alexa's starting to know a little too much. You're kind of right on that. Um, just ask her to do a Chuck Norris joke and uh, have a good day with that. So, But anyway, this is Steven. This is Dakota. We'll catch you later. Bye.